Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, passionate community advocate, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, and who admittedly makes mistakes along the way. Over the past 18 years, I've worked with a lot of leaders and teams, and while many have thrived, some have faltered or even become well, toxic. And I've realized this is not unique to me. In fact, we've all been there. So I'm on a mission to help leaders become the leaders they want to be, to create a thriving, sustainable culture, which inspires their team and helps them and their businesses succeed. This show will offer insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams, having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value. They're making an impact every day. My goal is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams ultimately showing up for them so they show up for you building intentional conscious leadership we can totally do this all right let's go welcome everyone to this week's episode of teams with edge Today I have a new guest and I'm going to say, you know, friend, (laughs) I am interviewing Laura Kuvion and she is a recruiting guru and online business management expert, which we all need right now. As a co-founder of Integrate Up, she has had a front row seat learning exactly what it takes to build companies from the ground up and especially how to build an ideal team of service providers who support a visionary CEO as they create a company that is ready to scale and grow. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this. And we were chatting a little bit before we hit record. And I think that all of our listeners are in for a great um a great episode with a lot of learning um, because you and I are very aligned on what we believe. So tell us, why don't you start by telling everyone a little bit about Integrate Up and and what really has inspired you to do this work? So Integrate Up is a, we're a boutique recruiting firm um, helping online entrepreneurs hire, whether that be service providers, contract workers, or full-time employees, which is, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but so either or, and what really inspired this work is my background is in online business management and serving clients in that capacity. And you can only do that for so many clients. And part of that role is helping is hiring from within. And so I really found a passion in helping people find team members that are first and foremost, a cultural fit. Second, a very close second, a skill set fit. But often I see in this space, someone is oversold on a discovery call and they'll hire someone within 20 minutes and then it doesn't work out. Potentially you may be completely aligned in values and ethics. You just don't know that in 20 minutes. And then I've seen people um, just hire based on referral. They go to a mastermind and they sit next to 
they meet Carol and Carol's um, OBM's friend's brother is a perfect graphic designer. And then that doesn't work out. So I'm really passionate about it needs to fit culturally. You work so closely with these people. And then secondarily, they need to be able to get do the work. So that's kind of how it got inspired. And yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm thinking about all of the times that I have absolutely done that in my yes. own business. And I think that's so true, right? And oftentimes, you know, I think what I have seen, maybe even in myself, because, you know, I, I am this, I am your ideal client, right? I, I make these mistakes as well. And um, I don't think I'm alone in that. But you as a business owner and that visionary, you have this idea of what you need and what you want, and you get kind of wrapped up in that vision. And the how's it all going to happen seems to be a bit of the off the side of the, the desk sort of thing, right? Yes. So when you see, when you see a warm body, you're kind of like, Ooh, yeah, like we get along, we should do this. This, this makes sense for us. So, so tell us about some of the biggest mistakes that, that these leaders are making when it comes to hiring. So one is thinking you're going to bring someone into your company and they're going to completely have this massive impact and solve a massive problem that you yourself can't solve. And so you think, I'm going to bring them in and they're going to fix all my delivery problems for fulfillment. And it's going to be beautiful because they told me they can. Well, there's so much more going on that an outsider can't come in and fix that problem right away. Um, Another one I see a lot is um, the visionary wants to hire someone that I call a unicorn that um, we chatted about briefly, but it's someone, you know, I want the graphic designer that can also write copy. That's also really amazing at tech. Well, that person is called you, the entrepreneur, the CEO. If that person exists, that's an entrepreneur figuring it out as they go. But when you're really trying to hire and build your team, if you put too many hats on one person, the brain doesn't work that way. How often do you meet someone that's a great copywriter and can also figure out tech? That does That's, that's not no. compatible. And so I see that quite a bit. So breaking up roles and responsibilities is a big one. So those are probably the two biggest things I see happen. Well, and I think I'm going to add like a little layer in here because I've seen this, you know, in working with some of my clients that the added layer is they're looking for that magical unicorn and they also want to pay them nothing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. They want to pay them an entry level, um, not really overly skilled pay, but they're looking for highly skilled magical unicorn. Yeah. And I look at, so I've been doing this long enough. I look at the pay as data. Um, What is the market of service providers and employees? What are they charging? That my dear entrepreneur, that's what you should pay. Because if you're looking for, so let's take a technical VA, for instance, that can do active campaign or Kajabi or Infusionsoft, whatever, um, that tends to be based on data we've collected, sit around 40 to $45 an hour. It just is what we see. Some are lower, some are higher. But if you're thinking you're going to find someone for $10 an hour, um, you're going to get someone that does $10 an hour work. So they're going to be learning on the, I mean, and, and you could just strike gold and who knows what happens, but we have, um, all this collect collected data on how much 
what the rate is contain can, retainer or full-time or hourly based on every time we do recruitment, we ask people, what, what's your ideal pay? And so I'm very big on, you know, you don't have to pay the premium. You don't have to pay the high end of a technical VA at $75 an hour, but you should be, you should be budgeting for, and you know, I don't know what philosophy you ascribe to um, financially speaking, but let's say you do profit first, have your three months of um, coverage for paying for the technical VA. So it doesn't feel too risky. You're able to do it with a, without all tense and feel like you're paying too much. So yeah. being reasonable there is the right way to go. So do you think that that, do you think pay is one of the areas that holds leaders back from hiring? I do two things. I think pay is one because it feels as if you're going to pay a lot, but just do, let's just do simple math. I love doing this. If you're a solopreneur, let's go really solopreneur. You have a ton of stuff to do. I always advise doing a time study, which is so painful, but you know, you do two weeks, every 15 minutes, you set your phone timer and you write down what you've been doing. And then you take all that data. Again, I'm I'm big on data and you realize, oh, I, out of two weeks of work, let's say I spent 60 hours working total. I spent 22 hours answering customer service emails. Boom. You can hire a customer success agent easily. And so it just shows you who to hire. So let's, I'm going to keep going with this example. Customer success based on data we've collected is around $15 an hour. You hire someone for 10 hours a week to, to take that off your plate for $150 a week. So that equates to $600 a month. Is that worth it? I would argue a thousand percent. Yes. A thousand percent. It's going to skyrocket you to do other things. So people just, they feel the money and they get nervous rather than just sit down, do a, a quick exercise, multiply it out. We can even yeah. do that with a higher end contract, an OBM. They start around $65 an hour. Anyway, so you can do that. And it's not as scary when you actually write it down. Yeah. I think that's part of it is the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And your, you know, that, that monkey brain that kind of starts to go down the rabbit hole a little bit of what's this going to cost me. And, but really when you talk to so many entrepreneurs, you probably hear this and, and I do as well Is I don't have time. I don't have time. It's like, okay, but how much is your time worth? Right. So if you need to take those customer service emails off your plate and pay someone to do it. Is your time worth more? Can you make up that difference by doing client outreach or whatever your job, you know, your highest leveraged action is? Absolutely. And I, I want to take it a step further when people say they don't have time. So take your time study and then take 30, 45 minutes and map out on Lucid chart or some software piece of paper. Um, I ascribe to the E-Myth philosophy. It's, it's a book and you write out what your org chart looks like today. And it might just be you, a copywriter and a VA. What's it going to look like when your program reaches 300 students or whatnot? And you map out the different roles you'll need. You would definitely need a customer success agent. You would potentially need a social media manager, things such as that. And then you, you look at the boxes and you're currently in all of those on the org chart. So what do you want to replace first based on your time study? And then over time, if you're not ready to hire today, say your goal is January 1st, in the next few months as you're working, okay, today I'm doing social media management for 
LinkedIn, Instagram, and I'm creating TikTok videos. So you open up, a, just keep Google Docs for all of those roles and start writing down what you do. And then you have all the responsibilities yeah. you need this person to take over. So it's, it's getting ahead of that rather than feeling like you need to sit down and spend 10 hours to hire someone. If you can yeah. plan accordingly. And I know I'm like, not every entrepreneur is going to plan like that, but if you could just keep a working document, it can really serve you so well in the future. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, such a helpful tip. And I talk a lot about time blocking, um, mm. because, you know, I also subscribe to your, your time is everything and how you use your time, um, really, truly matters because so many people say to me, I- I'm too busy or I don't have enough time. Um, but then they're like scrolling social media and you get like, ah, you just, you're just choosing how you're spending your time differently. So, or you don't understand how long something takes of you, takes you to do. And so I think that that's a really good kind of loop back to your time study is it's going to show you how long things are taking you to do so that when you do assign it to someone else or you block it for yourself to do, you know how long you should be blocking to do it Mm -hmm. because that's where we can fall into the trap of this is now taking three hours when I'd actually only thought it was going to take me 15 minutes. It's it's having those realistic expectations and realistic expectations of your staff as well. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that that's a, a huge piece is entrepreneurs sometimes, right. We, we see ourselves as superhuman sometimes And we're going to put in all the effort to get something done. But how does that translate to the staff and the expectations entrepreneurs have for their staff? Yes. So when you do bring someone on and you make that leap, um, it's always going to hurt a little bit before it feels better. But once it feels better, it feels real good. (laughs) So, and you can expect time-wise as the entrepreneur, you're going to have very unrealistic outlook on how fast someone can work in your business, especially at the beginning. I don't care who it is you bring on a technical person, a manager. It takes a good three-ish months for them to completely learn your business, the ins and outs. And even then they're not an expert, but um, what your course is like, they need to go through that. So if they're going to be working intimately with you, they need to know so many things. They need to understand the culture of your customers and so on and so forth. While performing the job duties. So it's going to take them longer. So let's say it takes you three hours to do your social for the week. It's going to take your new social media manager four because Mm -hmm. they're learning and um, they're looking back at what you did, what worked well, what didn't, but then fast forward six months, it'll probably take them two hours because they are experts at their craft. They now know your business. They're much more efficient and you can very much shoot off a message in Slack or Voxer or whatever communication tool you use and say, oh my gosh, that post blew up. Can you do a series on these things? And that's all you have to do. And then it's done. Yeah. It's so incredible. So, okay. So this got my like brain going. And this is also the problem problem with entrepreneurs. One of the gifts we have is our brains go really, really fast. (laughs) Um, And sometimes it's hard for our team to keep up with that or keep track of that right they're they're also not mind readers so once you have the team okay so you've made the leap you've hired you know you need to hire because you're exhausted and you don't have time and you're answering emails at 2 a.m right so you're exhausted and your business is owning you instead of the other way around you've got your person 
you've went through the effort. What happens when people get their team on board? What's one of the biggest mistakes that they start to make with that team member? A big mistake is when you think that team member is going to know what to do without you meeting regularly or without you communicating regular, regularly or without you checking in. And I don't mean micromanaging because that's not a good way, but being collaborative with that person and showing appreciation for that person and really um, continually reinforcing a culture of your company and what you expect from team yourself, how you show up, et cetera. And then really leaning in toward to the team members professional development as well. I mean, maybe you have a VA on your team for a year or two now, and what, what does he or she want to do? Does she, he or she want to grow into an OBM role? I would definitely say, um, support that. And that might not look financial. It might look financial, but commitment wise, but definitely help them grow professionally. And that will serve your company too. Yeah, I think, um, Okay. So if I'm the entrepreneur, I'm thinking, you know, okay, so I hired someone, but now I still have to invest the time in managing them. And I I do think that that is one of the misconceptions that a lot of entrepreneurs have is I'm going to hire this person and they're going to free up all my time. And they're just going to be self-managed. They're going to know how to do everything. Um, but that's, that's not the reality. And I stress often about needing to, again, build into your calendar, team check-ins, build in that team appreciation, especially if you're new at it and it's not natural to you, right? You have to build it into your, your tasks now on, you know, how do you, how often do you reach out and say good job or thank you, or like, what does your team engagement plan look like? Yes. And yeah, as soon as you build a team, you're no longer a solopreneur. You know, you now have a management hat to fill. And whether, sorry for that, but whether you want to believe that or not, it's the truth. And if you don't embrace that, it's not going to serve you well. And to give a tangible example of what you said, you know, I've worked with companies that hire salespeople to bring in their clients, you know, the, the one call close. And they think these salespeople will come in and just start bringing in massive amounts of revenue. Well, okay. They have sales skills, but you still need to review, you need to review their calls. Are they saying the script? Are they going off script? Are they delivering it in a way you want it to be delivered? What nuances can you go through and say, you should have, you could have done it this way. And when they said this, oh, I love when they have that objection. Cause this is what I say, because that just helps the salesperson do a better job with your product. And you will see a higher, higher closing ratio. You will see um, higher retainment because they won't be promising something that's X and you deliver Y. So helping these people do a good job is one way to show appreciation because it's going to help them grow in their role. They're going to, if, if an employee or a contractor feels like they're doing a good job, they're going to feel fulfilled. And at the bottom yeah. end of the day, people want to feel, feel fulfillment. And so I kind of got off on a tangent of talking about the salesperson. So I don't know if I loop that back around, but I, I would definitely say you need to have at least at the bare minimum, a weekly team meeting. That's a check-in where you go through. These were our objectives this last week. Did we meet those? We didn't. Why not? Okay. So let's um, 
renew that objective this week to get it done. And then when you have new hires meeting with them weekly, if it's a big position, potentially daily for one, two or three months, because that's foundation. Once that's set long-term, you're just going to, it's going to completely free you up long-term. Yeah. I think that that, you know, knowing to invest. Okay. So first you have to invest financially in someone, but then invest your time. And for so many people, I really think that those are the two biggest hurdles that entrepreneurs need to get over or go through or whatever it is in order to really scale and grow their business. Because everyone I speak with, you know, thinks that, well, it's just faster for me to do it myself. I don't have the time to engage with my team or they keep making mistakes and I have to do this. What you said about, you know, going from being a solopreneur to now wearing a management hat, I think is such great advice that that's just a big step that people forget. And, and I do think that those, those hurdles. So how can, I guess, leaders really start to navigate those, those two big hurdles? Like what, what do they need to wrap their minds around um, to be successful? When it comes to the financial and the time hurdle? Mm-hmm. Um, I think One absolutely, and entrepreneurs are great at this, is continually reminding yourself big picture. You know, if you want to grow your company from A to M, it's going to take team, it's going to take money, but keep envisioning getting to that M spot, that spot that's going to have hundreds of people in your course, whatnot. But um, do it, taking it, I think financially, I said this earlier, I really liked the planning method of storing away three months of a buffer to pay the next new hire. So you feel comfortable. So working closely with, if you have a CFO or a bookkeeper or whomever to know you have that um, so that it doesn't feel risky. It feels as an investment financially and um, yeah. in growth. So you're prepared. And then time-wise, you know, every business needs a rhythm to it. And so if you, once you reach where you have several team members, I would even say a daily morning meeting, people call it different things. And it's a 15 minute touch point. And that can save you a lot of time as an entrepreneur, you do it at a time that you like, maybe you drop your kids off. And so for you, 830, your car ride back, you get on the phone and you just go through, okay, what went well yesterday? Oh, good job. Good job to reinforce culture. And then are there any critical issues we need to talk about? Do you need my help with anything? And your graphic designer might be like, yes, I've been wanting you to approve these posts for 23 days. And you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. Because a lot of times there's a management level, but when you have a team working for you, you can also be the stopping point. If you have to read all the copy or if you have to approve all the images, or if you're looking to hire a Facebook ads agency and everyone's done due diligence and it's your decision. If you sit on that for three weeks, well, your business isn't moving for three weeks. So the, the daily touch point, even if you were to do that a few times a week can sometimes move massive mountains for a very minimal time effort on your part. So um, I would just say going in with a cadence, a rhythm of how you want to manage your team. So having those daily check-ins. Yeah. I I talk a lot too about intentional leadership, right? So setting that time as to what type of leader you really want to be and how you, because oftentimes what we think, right, we know all the right things to say. Um, We know what type of leader we want to be, 
but it doesn't translate into action because we get caught up on that hamster wheel and we just keep spinning. So making that concentrated effort to really be intentional. And like I said, too, like build it into your calendar early. And that way, those reoccurring meetings are already there for you. You don't have to carve out more time. It's already there. Um, Another piece that I've been using with my business is the onboarding. So how do you take, um, you know, when you start to onboard someone and really get to know that person as a human being rather than just the role they're going to be fulfilling for you? I think that that's that extra step too, to really bring someone into your culture. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't just bring someone on and expect them to start working. So whomever they're reporting to in your org chart, if it's you having regular meetings, um, I would even say daily for the first few weeks, if it's a bigger role and you have a department and you're layering in a marketing manager of a department, you'd want to meet with several months, but, um, daily for a while and absolutely weekly and having a just even a short list of what you want them to review. Okay. So for the next week, I want you to go through all my social media channels and audit them and look at them and show me the best posts you like and what you're going to work from and then getting together and reviewing that. And so having some action items in those meetings. So that's one work wise, the work they do, but then culturally speaking, onboarding and then caring about them. Um, May, getting to know them as a person. One way that's so talked about in this industry and I love personally are personality tests. You know, mm-hmm. here in our company, we love the Enneagram and Strength Finder. So I'm going to pay for Strength Finders. I want you to do that. And then on your next call, talking about it, like, oh my gosh, girl, you're an Enneagram seven and your top strength is whatever. Um, and learning about that. And that can sometimes be revolutionary for the contract worker. So that's a way to, in my mind, to show appreciation because you're investing in them. And then the last little takeaway, which I've seen be extremely successful is um, doing like a, a like page. You can do a Google form of what are your likes? What's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. Favorite flower, candy bar? And having them do a Amazon wish list of like just put five or six things you love on there. You know, we like to celebrate. And then within the first one to three months they're on there, find a quick win they did. A really oh my gosh, you did such a good job and send them the $10 item they have on their Amazon wish list. that will go leaps and bounds. They will be so, they will feel so loved and appreciated. And then just because I've seen this a lot, sometimes entrepreneurs think, oh, I should give them a bonus for that. Or I should, they've done such a good job, but sometimes it's the $25 leather bound journal on Amazon that they mm-hmm. really want and they're not going to buy from themselves. So those were some things I would say. Yeah, I, um, I really like the, if you could spend $10, like how would you spend $10? Um, it's a, I find it's a really interesting one, especially with my team. You know, I get a lot of like chocolate and coffee. <laughs> it tends to be how, how my team likes to spend their, their $10, but that's also just another great way to send somebody a coffee or mm. send them their favorite chocolate bar. Um, and Oftentimes too, I think entrepreneurs, we, we have preconceived notions that our team is motivated by money. Right. Right. And that's not necessarily true. 
when I did this um, onboarding, so I have my team fill out a form when they, they join and it's, you know, when's your birthday? What other special days of the year are meaningful to you? It might be your kid's birthday. Maybe it's your wedding anniversary. Who knows, right? It could just be like, what days are important to you? And how do you want to spend $10? And what motivates you? Like, tell me what you're motivated by. And oftentimes, I think maybe one person on my team said money. Everyone else said food. <laughs> my, my team is a very hungry team, I guess. Food and um, more responsibility. Wow. So they were saying to me, so when I read that, it's, if you trust me and I'm doing a good job, give me more to do. Wow. And I would never have thought about that. I would have thought, you know, give them more money right. or do Yeah. But for them, it was, let me know that I'm making an impact by giving me more to do. Wow. What a powerful thing for you to know. And what an amazing asset to have in your team, because they want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. You want to help them do a good job and they're just going to keep elevating their skills and their that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And it also helps too that, you know, come the holiday season or their birthdays or different things like that. When I want to give them a gift, I don't get them all the same thing, mm -hmm. right? They're all, they all get different things that, you know, the one girl just gets, you know, definitely food all the time, <laughs> but they do, they, they get different things because that's what makes them happy. And it shows them that I'm actually listening to them. And I am going to that effort to make sure that they know I heard them. Yes. Yeah. That's great. And that, that is a beautiful way to build culture because in a culture, you want to be seen, you want to be valued. And that's exactly what you're doing with yeah. that. And you want to know that the work you're doing has an impact, uh, you know, overall for everyone involved. So I think that that's what I've noticed a lot with my team is, they really want to know that what they're doing matters and that they're being helpful and they're making an impact in, in my life by taking so much off of my plate. Yeah. Yeah. So how can, I guess, leaders really learn from this and start to embed that culture in, in a more ongoing way? So if you've got Let's say you already have a team and you haven't started doing that. Like, is it too late? Can you start to incorporate it? What can those people who are listening right now who are thinking, uh-oh, I'm not doing any of that. Um, what can they do to, to make some of those changes? Never too late. One, create a Google form and put the answer, put those questions that Ashley just mentioned. But um, I really love Culture is about, especially when you're doing it over a screen, you have, it has, you have to remind people about what your culture is, not in a very flashy way, but I'm big on each company should have their cultural pillars, you know, whatever that may be. Um, I worked for a company once and a cultural pillar was the customers always first, but not always right. So customer needs are first, but we can help them see if they're wrong. Anyways, doesn't matter. But um, in your weekly meeting, what I love to do is have someone from the team, say you have five cultural pillars and you write a little blurb explaining it. Every week have a team member recite it. And then as the leader, spend three or five minutes elaborating on what you mean. Um, so when I know a team uses as people before tasks, and that means 
we care about people more than we care mm-hmm. about the tasks on um, on our Asana or ClickUp. And while tasks are important, people are ultimately important. And then during that three to five minutes you elaborate, call someone out on your team that showcased it that week to reinforce, like Ashley did such a great job at that and this is why. And so it's such a small touch point, but over three months, six months, a year, it will build and your team will get behind it. And then I love to say cultural pillars can become like hashtags, you know, hashtag people before tasks and team, you start hearing that verbiage on your team. And so it's just a rhythmic way to instill it into your team. That's such an interesting, you know, point you make about those cultural pillars and kind of goes along with your, your why statement or your, your values. And, you know, again, just a simple thing, but make sure your team knows what they are right? Like start, Mm -hmm. start there too. And, um, you know, for those again, who already have a team and haven't done that work with your team on creating what those pillars are, Mm -hmm. let them be a part of it. I think that that, um, you know, creates buy-in, it creates passion and it's really going to have your team feeling part of it because Mm -hmm. so many times too, as entrepreneurs, I think, we are so in our company and we, we love our company because it's, it's us, right? And it's, ex, it's an extension of who we are. And when you bring new people in, they're never truly going to be as invested in your company as you are, right? You have to understand that and accept that. But when you can have them have small pieces such as adding to the value statement or adding to your cultural pillars, that does create more buy-in and it does create more of a, an invested interest in, in the direction of the company. Yeah. And I would say if you don't have this cultural built in a way to bring your team into it is, you know, plan a little meeting and ask them, say, what's your, why do you like working here Mm. and start and write down what they say. It might be that, oh my gosh, you let me show up however I want to, I don't have to be dressed. You know, it might, they might just love this casual environment. And that can build into a culture, you know, we show up messy, but we work professional, something like that. Um, And then how, what are some commonalities we share as a team and go through that, you know, maybe we're all coffee lovers. And of course that wouldn't be a requirement for someone coming on, but what are some common themes? Maybe you're all moms. That tends to be one for a female-led business sometimes or um, whatever it may be. And then really diving in, this isn't something you would necessarily ask your team, but what's something that builds safety and security in your business? And maybe it's a regular meeting with you, or I don't know what the answer to that is, but then putting that as a cultural pillar, like we care about each other or something. So having a meeting with your team, asking these questions, and then they can help write those culture statements. And like you said, Ashley, they have buy-in and they feel ingrained in it. So those are some good questions to ask. So Laura, why, so people who are looking to hire and they need help with it, they, you know, that's what your firm is doing. And so what's the difference, I guess, between an entrepreneur going out and doing it on their own uh, versus reaching out to, to someone like you and, and, you know, what can, what can they expect in working with you? Right. So first and foremost, you can completely do it yourself. So what we do is we, 
do the whole process for you and we keep you involved. So the minute we start working, we get the information from you. We have an intake call and then we go out and we treat the hiring and recruiting process like a sales funnel. You know, the copy of the job description needs to attract culturally the right person and then they apply and then we do a skill set assessment and that needs to flesh out skill set level if this person can do the job. So, you know, if, if you really need someone detail oriented, then leave off some details of the form. So they have to reach out and ask. So stuff like that. And then we will interview the candidates. And then we, we provide to the entrepreneur the top two or three candidates, a full briefing of all the information we've collected. And so it's a really, it saves you time. It saves, uh, is what it's doing for you. So you, we start four weeks later, you get the candidates and you hire. And if, if time is not what you need to save and you want to do it yourself, Absolutely. But I would still strongly suggest spend time on that job description and write it so you can attract the right person. Always, always, always take candidates in a Google form rather than just over email or private message, because you can then you have a list. You're not mm -hmm. sifting through 300 emails. It can get very messy. So do a Google form and then have a skill set round. Now, this is controversial in the service writer space. You don't want to ask somebody to write a blog for you because people pay people to write blogs, yep. you know, but asking for, um, how would you respond to this email? So you can see some writing style. I always say the skill set assessment should be under an hour and should never ask for work you're going to use. So yep. you don't have to ask a graphic designer to do work that you would then publish. Um, and then an interview where you ask pointed questions. So you don't just get on the discovery call and get sold. You actually get your questions answered. So those are the key steps if you're going to do it yourself. Yeah. Awesome. So it's definitely, I, I don't know, I get excited about the idea of hiring new people because I always see it as the possibility of what can come from it. Um, so I don't necessarily see it as scary every now and then when I think about the money, it definitely is like that. That's a little bit of a hurdle for me, but I, I always see new people in my organization as the possibility of what we can do together. Um, so I think for so many, just to go in with an open mind and, and be willing to bring people in. And I think it's such a, you end up learning something either way. <laughs> every time, every time you end up learning something. And if you are a lifelong learner, then you, you still win at the end of that. <laughs> Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think it's exciting to build the team too, become, because with that person comes a brand new brain, a brand new outlook, brand new ideas. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you get to say, thank you for seeing that. No, thank you. We're not going to do that. But you just yeah. never know. It's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So where can people find more about you and your organization? So integrateup.co is our website. So all our information is there. Um, and then we also have all jobs we've ever had open. You can access that if you happen to have service providers listening. So if you are a service provider, please see what we're posting and apply. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook as well. But yeah, that's our website. Awesome. And you have um, a freebie that I'm going to put into the show notes. Um, the what they are worth rate sheet. Is that right? Yes. So this okay. is. Uh, it's a it's all the data we've collected that I mentioned earlier of how much service providers charge 
for specific roles, even a marketing manager, a marketing assistant, the graphic designer, the OBM, the integrator. It's all the data we've collected. It shows where they are in the world and how much they were charging at the time. So it's great information to have when you're like, I know I need that, but I don't know how much they're going to pay because, or how much they're going to charge. And so it gives you all that data. It's great to use as a resource. Yeah. It's great again for that pre-planning. So now, you know, we're recording this in October. Um, So if you're thinking of creating your budgets and planning for 2022, now's the time to take a look at that, to see what you need to set aside and get ahead of it. I think if so many more entrepreneurs and leaders could be proactive um, and just build in that, that time and a bit more intention, their lives will be so much easier. Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yes. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation and I look forward. Let's do it again. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. What might be holding you back from becoming the leader you know you can be? Whether it's conflicting priorities, time, or maybe you just need a little guidance, there's hope. You can do it. If you're interested in creating a team that thrives, reach out. Let's chat about what we can do together. I'd also love to hear from you about this podcast, about your challenges and successes as a leader. We can learn together how to inspire each other and build the culture we want in our work and ultimately our lives. So connect with me through Instagram. You can find me at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E dot Livingstone, L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E, or reach out by email at ashley at ourforte.ca. And remember, there's always two E's at the end of my name.